Hello again, everyone. I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for checking out localjobnetwork.com radio. This is Moving Up the Ladder, where we bring you experienced professionals with insight into enhancing your career. And of course, in this modern, fast-paced environment, certain skills and traits do get lost in the shuffle. And our guest today argues that some old-school business practices will still work today. Giving us some details on that is Jeff Havens. He's a keynote speaker and corporate trainer who does address areas like leadership, generational issues, which may be a factor today, and other areas of professional development as well. Jeff, thanks for coming on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I wanted to start off, before we look back, I wanted to sort of look at today and where we're at in terms of business practices. Just from your experience what areas have you seen advances that you deem effective when it comes to business practices? That's kind of a range of things. I think the one that I'm most impressed by overall is how targeted companies are getting at being able to put their advertisements and to be able to put their products in front of the right kind of consumers. Uh, I'm talking, you know, mostly about the ads that you'll see on your search engines when they come up. It's almost scary how good yeah. they've gotten at figuring out what we're interested in and and uh, what we might want to click on along those lines. Uh, some of the other ones, which are kind of tangential to what I think we'll be talking mostly about today, are the push for more women and minorities in business. I like seeing, it, at the very least, a very robust conversation about different kinds of equality in the workplace. What we're seeing as far as technology goes, I think, are a lot of different ways of communicating, some of which are more effective than others. That, I think, is a lot of what we're going to be talking about here today. I think that the different approaches are effective in different areas at different times for different people for different reasons, and that does kind of make it sort of messy. But I think at the same time, you're going to see a lot of these practices that haven't changed and are never going to change sure. because I think one of the things that people get confused by is technology has changed almost everything we do, but until we turn into cyborgs, which I think isn't too far down the road, we're all still people. We're all still wired the way we've been wired for thousands of years, and that means that some of the things that we've been doing for thousands of years, or at least in business for the last 100 or 200 years, are just as effective today, if not more so, uh, than they were you know, 100 or 200 years ago. Right. Well, and I wanted to touch on that a little bit as well, uh, and just curious how you feel maybe the, uh, the technology or the, the pace of life, or however you want to phrase it, how has it had a negative impact potentially, or maybe some issues or concerns that, that you've seen or you've had because of a little bit of the way things have changed, even though we haven't changed as people, as you said, just the communication side and technology have, have obviously changed the game a bit. Yeah, the, uh, the biggest one, and it's, it's going to start off sounding very depressing, but I think there's a very positive way to look at it, is the stubbornly high unemployment rate that we've been looking at for the last several years, I don't think is going to go down. Hmm. And part of the reason for that is the technology in general, the internet in particular, I think are net job destroyers. I think that they have done a very good job of removing more jobs than they have created. And I know that sounds very negative, like there's no hope, because I actually think that this process is going to continue. What I do think is very hopeful in that is all of our technology has a very uh, significant limitation. It, it is not creative, and it will not be creative. Hmm. And so I think that the need for creativity in almost any job and furthermore, the, the need for relational or relationship development in our jobs or with respect to our colleagues, with respect to our customers, et cetera, is becoming more and more critical and is only going to become more and more critical. The people that I think are really going to distinguish themselves in a fully automated, fully technological world are the ones that think creatively in their industry and are very effective at building relationships because those are the kinds of things that, you know, the kind of rigid price point, price conscious 
world that the internet allows for, I really can't compete with. Well, it is interesting you bring that side of it up. And I wanted to touch on um, the aspect of potential, the generational issues. And I only bring it up, obviously, it was mentioned uh, you know, in the introduction as far as an area you, you work with. Do you see that being a part of this where it's really sort of the older generation, quote unquote, versus the new generation and how that all plays together? Or is that overplayed and it's just a matter of, of just trying to find that balance? What I think is overplayed is the four generations in the workplace, which is totally not true because that's not how anybody thinks. <laughs> Nobody has ever said, I am a baby boomer with mature sensibilities trying to understand the subtle nuances of my Gen X coworkers. Nobody's ever <laughs> said that. You either say that punk kid should just shut up if he doesn't know what he's talking about or that old fart should just retire. There's really only two generations. <laughs> there, and it's been the same way for forever. There's old people or, you know, older more experienced people, and there's young people or less experienced people. Yes, with respect to communication, I do think that this is this breaks very evenly along generational lines and very generically. I'm 36 years old, and if, I think if you're my age or older, if you if you kind of developed who you are before the internet came along, then you are one kind of person because we communicated in our ways because there were only a small number of ways to do it. If you are a person younger than that, if you really developed who you are after the internet came along, then you have a whole different set of communication strategies, ones that you basically grew up with. It's not like they just chose these things. They were already here by the time they were, you know, seven, eight years old. So yeah, I think what you're seeing is a generational divide, the same kind of generational divide we always have, but it's also parallel kind of the technological revolution that we've had over the last 25 years. No, I think uh, I think it's a very fair point you brought up at the beginning that uh, there's really only two generations each time. Uh, I think people definitely yeah. can, can understand where you're coming from with that. Now, we'll get into a few details here in just a moment, but I wanted to ask in general, if you're looking at the idea of this old school or traditional practices that we'll, we'll touch on here, why in general would those stand out in the world we have today where it is so fast paced and everybody's used to a certain way of life? Is there a certain reason that those practices would still stand out and still be effective? Yeah, I think there is. And it's mostly because, again, there's there's a lot of places where you don't need to have any kind of customer service where the only thing, as a consumer, where the only thing that you want is the same product at the cheapest price delivered to you in the fastest way, and that's all fine when the process works well. But as a business person, either you want that customer to continue to come back to you to buy more and more things, or you want to turn let's say, a a one-off job into a long-term contract, or you want to have effective relationships with the people that you work with so that your teams are as strong and productive and flexible as they possibly can be. And really, those are all relational ideas. Those are not based on technology. Those are based on the way that we communicate with one another. And all of us are wired to be social in the way that we were when we were cave people. I mean, obviously, we've changed over time. But that root way that we communicate with with one another, you know, face-to-face conversation, actual, you know, touching one another, obviously not at work. I don't mean that. Don't do that at work if you're fired. <laughs> but you don't understand what I'm saying. Like, the kind of relationships that we have with our friends when right. we go out, you know, socially are the same kinds of relationships that we need to be building professionally as well. And the way to do it as effectively as possible are the old school practices. Technology has not come up with improvements on those things. They've come up with alternatives, but they're not better. And and in a lot of cases, they're actually creating distance between us that is detrimental to uh, building those healthy relationships that we need if we want to have long-term customers and really strong relationships with the people that we work with. So yes, I think these 
old school practices. I don't think they're really old school. I think they're just the school. And I think they're going to continue to be, you know, the way to do things until we're cyborgs, at which point, by the way, I'm finding an island and I'm going to live there because I'm not ready to be a cyborg. I just can't do the whole, like, what eye do I want to wear today? I'm just not built for that. (laughs) Good to know. We'll keep that in mind. We'll know where to look for you if that ever does uh, come to pass. You did mention communication there, obviously that being a huge part of of this as a whole, as you mentioned, the relationship side, email versus the phone. Uh, That's where we'll start because I think that's a pretty common one. And a lot of people love email, but what's your take on these two areas and and kind of where you stand on their effectiveness? I think very generally, it sort of depends on where you are. It's, let's just talk about the sales cycle, for example. I think most people are are very accustomed, and I don't think this is a generational issue. I think most people, young or old, are accustomed to being able to search for what they want without being interrupted or intruded upon by a you know phone call from anybody trying to sell them something. They want to do their own research. They want to come to their own conclusions. And when they get to the point that they've more or less convinced themselves that they you know, want to get the thing that they're looking at, then they'll be willing to pick up the phone or you know, talk to tech support or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that email is a very effective tool at making sure that you're still maintaining contact with people, but that you're not you know, kind of intruding upon their increasingly scarce private personal time. Uh, that said, though, you can only do so much, I think, in that capacity. You can only build a relationship so far. Uh, when you're not either uh, talking to somebody on the phone or meeting with them in person. I mean, that's, that's still the reason, uh, for example, I know I'm kind of getting off subject here, but that's the reason that there are actually more people attending conferences now than there were in 1990, despite the fact hmm. that we have technology that should suggest that we don't need as many people going to conferences. People want that relational connection. So uh, I think that there are very effective uses for the telephone in order to build these kind of relationships. Sure. You mentioned, obviously, that that being a way to, to connect with individuals within the workplace, say between coworkers. Um, I know here where we work, email is is very common and, as you said, has a lot of effective uses. But picking up the phone, what extra value do you see maybe amongst coworkers and being able to communicate that way versus you know maybe just laying out the details of something in an email? I'm going to start by talking about texting because I think that's a more common way that really young people are communicating, and just so that I can make my point, because I think it's valid with email as well. Sure. Uh, you can text somebody back and forth all day long, and, and let's, let's just say you and I have a texting conversation that lasts 18 hours, from the time that we wake up to the time that we go to bed, <laughs> and you're getting back to, I'm texting you, and you're texting me every five minutes. If you add it up, all of the actual communicating that we've done in that 18-hour period of time with five-minute texts and back and forth with each other, we could have knocked that conversation out in a 25-minute phone call. Hmm. So the reason that phone calls can be effective is because for 9 million reasons. One, a lot of times they're faster, actually, than they are than email or texting is. And number two, you don't run into the problem of, you know, tone being an issue. You know, right. if somebody doesn't put an exclamation point at the end of an email, all of a sudden they're mad at you. And you're like, well, what did that mean? And then you have problems that don't even exist <laughs> if you, you know, take the time to have a phone call and figure out based on the tone. Or, Wait, I'm sorry, I didn't. Did you, did you mean to say this? No, no. What I meant was, oh, okay, got that problem done in five seconds, as opposed to letting it seize for a few days before you finally realize that, no, I just misinterpreted your sentence in an email. So. There's just no substitute for the, the way that we speak to one another, the gestures that we make when we're, you know, in person. Right. And again, email has, it's obviously, it has enormously useful applications, so does texting, but they're not perfect substitutes for the kind of communication that we evolved over millions of years. 
No, that's a great point. I like the idea of tone. I think uh, if anybody comes up with a way to help us express our tone through email, I think they would be a, a very rich individual. Of course, that's probably the same time you're going to be a cyborg and you won't worry about it too much. So. Well, yeah, there's that. I think the person who did the emoticon probably is a very rich person. Yeah. I just yeah. don't feel like winky face is really doing <laughs> everything I needed to. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, in the work setting, you know, especially if you're outside of your office, that that might be a little awkward. I, I remember somebody mentioning, "Can you imagine if we if we used emoticons in real life all the time, and the, the winking and the <laughs> weird faces we're making at people? That, that would actually be very amusing. I think I would enjoy that quite a bit." Yeah, it would be. It, yeah, it's kind of scary looking all the faces <laughs> people have, like they're all frozen in terror. <laughs> uh, speaking of email, take it even older school, so to speak. In an article you had written, uh, you mentioned the idea of sending a handwritten note and sending it through, yes. you know, what's uh, commonly called snail mail now, of course. Effective? Does it really do anything? Why or why not? Uh, why would you see that as being a, a practice that is worth trying once in a while? Partially because the ROI is an easy one. Writing a handwritten thank you note takes about four or five minutes. And if you are able to distinguish yourself in four or five minutes from other applicants to a job or other potential suitors for a contract, then that's a five minutes worth taking. It's going to be difficult for you to prove that this five minutes worth of your time necessarily is the direct cause of whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. But I think part of what we get with technology, part of what we've got in the world that we have today is people want to do the thing that is the easiest for them that requires the least amount of effort. All of us have gotten a little bit lazy because we can afford to be most of the time. When you spend 4% more energy convincing me that you care enough about me to actually write a thank you note or to send me some physical thing in the mail, is it necessarily going to mean that I choose you over your competitors? Is it necessarily going to mean that I'm going to hire you over your other applicants? No but I am going to notice it because I can't not notice it. I can very easily ignore a thank you email. If I get 55 emails today, sure. I might have just seen your thanks very much and I deleted it. It's harder to ignore an actual letter because I don't get as many of those. So it just stands out by virtue of being rare. I think that's a very good point when it comes to that standing out portion. I think that makes a lot of sense. How about when it comes to actual interactions, the idea of whether you're in a meeting, a conference call, you mentioned a lot of people being at conferences in general and wanting to connect that way. What are some keys that people should keep in mind to, again, make sure they're using some of those best practices, as you said, that always work. They're not old school. They always work. And to show that you are engaged and you're involved and, and that you do care. Because again, with the technology side, there are a lot of distractions. Yeah. And I think the easiest way to show that you're engaged is to actually be engaged. And the easiest way to do that is to turn your phone off. And I know that everybody's tired of hearing that, but <laughs> we play with our phones, not necessarily because we have anything interesting to do with them, but because we're so used to having something in our hands that I'll bet you anything, like if you are sitting alone somewhere for five minutes that you can't do it without getting some kind of weird withdrawal twitch going on, <laughs> like I got to see what's going on. And you're going to get on your phone and you're going to scroll through and nobody's texted you, so you're not going to write anybody back. And you don't have any new emails, so you're not going to check them. And you're going to go to whatever pages you always go to, but you don't even care. You don't, it doesn't matter to you what's there. You're just looking at it because you're used to looking at it. So let's just say I'm in a meeting, right? And I work for a company and there's 10 other people like me and we got the boss and he's leading the meeting and everybody does what they normally do, which is as soon as they get bored, they reach for their phone. The boss notices and everybody does it, right? So it's, what's the big deal? That's the way everybody has to uh, operate now. But if you are consistently the person who doesn't, if you're consistently paying attention and, and you know, fully present in all of the conversations, 
Again, is it going to be the only reason that you might be next in line for promotion? No. But when it comes up that we need somebody to take over this new spot or to assume new responsibilities, when they're thinking about who they want to put in that position, if you've always shown yourself to be fully engaged in whatever you know is going on, you're far more likely to be considered for that position than you are if you're checking your phone every time you have three minutes where you're not the direct object of attention. Right. Now, let's say in a situation like that, okay, maybe you feel like that person isn't noticing or might not notice that you are the one that's really tuned in. Do you suggest doing anything else in a scenario like that, asking questions or, or doing anything to to really make sure you're standing out and you don't just be seen as, oh, just another another punk kid, as you put it, uh, looking at his phone or checking something on his computer? One of the problems that some people get into is asking questions simply for the sake of asking questions so that it's very easy to do that and think, okay, as long as I'm talking, then uh, people are noticing me. But if you don't have anything useful or important to say, I think you actually do yourself a favor by just remaining quiet, okay. holding information and waiting for your next opportunity. Because, you know, you'll hear that all the time, that, uh, well, they're just talking so that they'll talk. Right. But, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're able to ask insightful questions, if, obviously, if you're paying full attention, then uh, you're far more likely to be able to do so. Uh, the people that I think, uh, what, what's more common, especially on a conference call, is for you to be on mute the whole time while you're playing Solitaire or Freezell or whatever your game is on your computer, Candy Birds or Angry Crush or whatever they're doing right now. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, unmuting yourself every so often to be like, yeah, uh-huh, totally. Yeah, uh, exactly. I'm uh, totally on board. And then, you know, muting yourself again and right. uh, going back to not paying attention. Again, the problem with a lot of these things is that it's really hard to draw a one-to-one ratio between, you know, a certain behavior and that having a direct impact on your success at getting a client or your success at getting a promotion or something like that. I think in a lot of cases, these old school practices, like they always have been, are they aggregate over time, sure. pretty much like everything does. So you can't prove that any one of these things necessarily led to you know, the outcome that you want, but over time, collectively, they will. I am dead certain of that because that's how we're built and mm. that we haven't we haven't gotten so far along the lines uh, technologically that we have started being built in a different way. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of this, maybe people are tired of hearing or it seems like common sense. But uh, to your point, I think I think it needs to be brought up over and over again because we do get comfortable, like you said, with our phones or any te- kind of technology. And it's just easier and quicker to do a certain thing that um, that we do nowadays versus in the past. So oh, yeah. uh, that's why I do think it's, it's important to see these articles that you've written and, and be able to talk about it and really understand that there is a value in it. And hopefully our listeners will pay attention to that. Uh, we are getting low on time, but I want to give you the floor here at the end as we do with our guests, just to allow you to give the listeners a final takeaway or any pieces of advice you would offer up in terms of, again, these best business practices, however you want to phrase them, but what you would give them as something they can really grasp on from this conversation. Well, yeah. And actually, I want to kind of build on what you just said. Uh, and thank you, by the way, for having me on this program. It's been quite a pleasure. But you were talking about how all of us uh, are used to doing kind of what's easy and, and, and technology has made everything quick and access to education has become enormously easier. Uh, and I think what has happened for a lot of younger people, and I think this is important for older people to understand as well, because I think it'll allow them to have a better and stronger conversation with their younger coworkers, is uh, I think a lot of people have confused the fact that technology has accelerated the pace that we do everything except for how quickly we get good at stuff. You can get more access to education now than ever before. So I can learn more skills now than I ever could have 20 or 50 or 200 years ago. But if a given skill takes 500 hours of education for me to get good at, it still takes 500 edu- hours of education today. If it took 500 hours 100 years ago, 
still takes 500 hours a day. And I think a lot of younger people have mistaken the ease that technology brings to most of our lives into thinking that it's going to do the same thing for our careers or relationships that, you know, I don't have to put in as much work as I used to in order for these things to be successful. And that just isn't true. We are not, there is no computer program that is going to make us uh, learn an instrument faster than practicing that instrument or learn a language faster than practicing that language or advance in our careers faster than the slow and steady progression that comes from accumulating experience over years and years of time. And I think it's critically important for young people to appreciate that so that they don't have unreasonable expectations when it comes to what is going to happen with them professionally. Again, like I've been talking about for most of this uh, conversation, a lot of the things that I'm talking about with old school practices, they, they are slow and they aggregate over time. There's not this like one silver bullet thing that you can do that is automatically going to make you the top you know, performer, the top salesperson, the top prospect for the next C-level position in your company. But collectively, slowly, over time, these things will make a difference, just like they always have in the past. And I think young people need to appreciate that so that they don't come in thinking, oh, I'll be CEO two and a half weeks. Maybe I'll hold up for five weeks. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> no more than nine. Well, Jeff, those are some wonderful points to wrap up the show with today. And unfortunately, we are going to have to close out this episode of Moving Up the Ladder. Again, we've been talking about some, well, some people might see them as old school practices. As we've been talking today, they just seem to make a whole lot of sense. If you're looking to improve your relationships within the workplace or outside, and as well as just move up the ladder, if you will. Again, we've been speaking today with Jeff Havens, a keynote speaker and corporate trainer who does address some of these issues that we've talked about today within his professional career. Jeff, a pleasure having you on. Uh, I appreciate the insight and your experience and your perspective on it. So hopefully our listeners took away a lot as well. Well, thank you very much for having me on. It's been an honor. And if you want to find out more about Jeff, you can go to jeffhavens.com. That's J-E-F-F. H-A-V-E-N-S.com. And again, you can find some more of his insight there as well. If you want to get in touch with us here at LJN Radio, just email Radio at localjobnetwork.com. If you have some comments or suggestions for future shows, you can also find us on Twitter at the LJN is where you will find us. Go ahead and send us a message there as well. For everyone here at LJN Radio, we wish you the best in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.